Hello, and welcome to the Batteries Included podcast. It's August the 11th, 2023, and this is episode number negative three. More on that in a moment. So thank you very much for joining us. On today's show, we'll be talking about the unveil of the Cadillac Escalade IQ, used Tesla vehicles now eligible for $4,000 tax credit, and the BMW i7 Protection Armored Vehicle. And of course, much, much more. I'm Dominic Yoni, host of the YouTube channel Drive Electric with Dominic. Joining us today is the esteemed Mr. Tom Malogny, senior editor at Inside EVs and host of the YouTube channel State of Charge. And of course, Kyle Connor joins us from the majestic, practically palatial halls of out-of-spec studios where he produces high-voltage videos for a number of YouTube channels. Well, hello. <laughs> Hi there, everybody. Good to see you all. So, Hi, so really quick... So really quickly with that whole negative three thing. So this is a new podcast for us. Uh, you may have noticed we, we've did a podcast for three years together and uh, we have a, a fourth, uh, Mr. Martin Lee, who will be joining us eventually. Uh, so we're doing it like a soft opening, these first few episodes leading up to our grand opening, uh, you know, official launch on the 1st of September uh, with, with all of us. And uh, yeah. So we're just counting down. So next week is negative two and so on. All right. Um, Thanks for joining us here, by the way. We're all super happy to see so many of our regulars coming over to Batteries Included now. So we appreciate that. That's right. Oh, I see Daniel Kurtzman is here today. That's great. Hey, Daniel. Thanks for joining us. Oh, I, actually, I'd just like to thank all of you all because last week we did our very first like show at all. And the response was like really, really great. Like, I don't know. Should we say numbers? Is that important? It's not really that important, but just a lot of you, you know, watch the show and we just really appreciate it. It's just a terrific start. Uh, yeah. So let's uh, move on and just talk about what we've been doing this week. Um, let's talk about, a little bit about what we've been driving. Uh, Kyle, you want to talk about Alfa Romeo for a moment? Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I've it's only driven around the block, just like, you know, oh. there, I think next week will be when we discuss the plug-in hybrid Alfa, Re Alfa Romeo toenail. I think that's how you say it. Tonale. No. T-O-N-A-L-E no. <laughs> is definitely toenail. It's the toenail. Yeah. Tonale. No, this is America. It's the toenail. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, or maybe you it's like better as the, I think I like the... Uh, the name Dodge Hornet better, which is actually what I believe this car is underneath, right? Yeah, it's not even worth talking about on this show. It's not a battery electric. I didn't even drive it with energy in the in the battery yet. I just took it around the block. It annoyed the hell out of me. I was like, get me out of this thing. And then Ryan took it to do all the tests. So yeah, we're, okay. we won't even go there. It looks really nice. It looks really okay. nice. But like the software was the laggiest software I've ever experienced. And again, I'm basing this off of five minutes in the car, but right. uh, I was just like, wow, this is not good. So my impressions are not so positive at the moment. Right. Okay. Well, we'll see how that goes uh, a bit later on. Um, so also you had your Nissan Leaf, uh, the onboard charger, I believe, replaced, and you got a RAV4 EV history lesson. So I was just wondering if you want to just touch on that for a bit. I know your your Nissan Leaf is in San Diego with the uh, uh, Mach-E vloggers, Liv and Patrick. Yep. And they, yes, maybe they're here. Oh, there's Mach Liv right there. Yep. Hey, Liv. Yeah, so what's what's going on with that? Yeah, so uh, uh, went over to QC Charge. So Patrick and Liv have been borrowing the Leaf um, for really as long as they need it for. And so one of the problems with it was 
the onboard charger had failed. So keep in mind, this was the cheapest electric car for sale in America when I bought it. I wanted to do, everyone was complaining. You're reviewing Lucid Airs and all these nice things. And it's like, what about a cheap electric car? Like, so I went, you know, obviously to the extreme end of the spectrum and looked at, you know, every listing for sale in the country and low to high price for a running electric car. And it was this red leaf. And I bought it, you know, in the peak of when car prices were quite high. So you can actually buy them around the same price now, around $3,000, somewhere around there quite easily if you look hard enough. And it had a hole in the side of it because it was crashed. Like it's not not the best example of a leaf, but it only had 75,000 miles. And really the only problem with it was the ding in the side. It had been totaled out. So it's a salvage title, but it drives fine. It's been realigned. It's all good. And um, the onboard charger failed, which means it would only charge on DC. So I would I would had to rely on the Chatamo charging of this car. And this is an old 24 kilowatt hour Nissan Leaf that just charges like crap. So, you know, you'd have to, like, go leave it at a DC charger for two or three hours to top charge. And then you, you know, have to factor in, OK, I got to get home and I need enough to get back to that charger. And it just was not ideal. And Patrick and Liv were experiencing the same thing. You know, they went to go charge it and they're like, oh, well, there's one Chatamo. Like, what if it's broken or blocked? So finally, uh, you know, the whole plan to bring it to California was to work with QC Charge, uh, a electric vehicle repair company. They also make some accessories to upgrade and replace, not upgrade, but to replace the onboard charger in the Leaf. We did a whole video on it. It took roughly one hour. It was no problem. We found a, another onboard charger out of an old Leaf. We replaced it with the uh, new old part out of a crashed car. And it now charges like uh, amazing. And in the process, we got a RAV4 EV history lesson, which, which was truly fascinating. Right on. So that's pretty cool that, you know, there's like enough old parts off those. So you can get salvage parts for, you know, things like the Leaf. Because you don't really want to sink a whole lot of money into like the cheapest car <laughs> in America. Um, yeah. So it's great to see that kind of coming back. Um, yeah, was we, it we, was it we estimated like costs on that. So like it didn't cost me anything. They were super cool. They were just like, bring it by the shop. Let's make a video. We'll throw it in at no charge type situation. But um, yeah, my friend Alex, I've known for years, these guys, they're great. But Alex is a friend of mine. Uh, he's one of the, the you know, sort of lead technicians there, if you will. He actually owns a Model S with 450,000 miles on it, which Ooh. is truly fascinating. And it's a car I've been wanting to make a video with. We just ran out of time. So I wasn't able to do that. But it is uh, next time I go back in in the uh, that is the plan to do a 450,000 mile Model S video because I rode in it and it, it has less squeaks and rattle than my brand new Tesla Model S. It was amazing. So <laughs> it was really cool. Um, but yeah, RAV4 EV and B-Class Electric of early days. You know, that's how Tesla got their start supplying right. their powertrain uh, technologies. They um, basically are Tesla Model S motors in reverse, front wheel drive, if you will. So the, the gear sets just cut the, the other way. Really okay. a great, uh, great solution back then. And they uh, are the leading shop on RAV4 EV. So it's very cool to see like 20 of them all parked together. Oh, sweet. So the second gen RAV4 EV, because Toyota made actually the RAV4 EV back in like the early 2000s, you know, in electric form as well, which pretty cool. Yeah, so we talked about that in this episode, but they're the Gen 2 repair specialists. I think they yeah. have repaired a few Gen 1 RAV4 EVs, but there's just almost none left anymore. They're right. so rare. I mean, um, 
yeah, I think Alex was telling me uh, they, they crushed a bunch of them off lease was my understanding. Uh, but only 400 really survived back in like 04 or 03, something right, like this. It's been a while. So, so, you know, the the numbers that are on the roads now are probably less than 100. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You get, I think there might them? be more than that in California. I know a few people that have them out there. So and Nikki uh, Gordon Bloomfield had one for a while. I don't know if she has one anymore. I actually drove one about 10 years ago. So it was actually pretty cool. And uh, nice. the, the people that had them, they didn't want to let go of them. So good vehicles. Oh, and Tony's the guy out at QC Charge. You know, he, he's he's the, really a specialist on Chatamo. And uh, he would retrofit. He would upgrade the uh, RAV4 EVs. They couldn't um, DC fast charge. He would put a Chatamo uh, system on it so you could DC fast charge. And also Mercedes B-Class uh, EVs, he uh, he would do the uh, Chatamo upgrade so people could DC fast charge. That was something that was disappointing when the B-Class first came out. And I loved it. I was going to get one. Um, it wouldn't, it, it, they didn't include uh, fast charging on it. And that was one of the reasons why I didn't get it. But those are really good EVs back in the day when they first came out. Yeah, I like them. I think they had the old paddle chargers too, right? Back in the, they had the original set of mm. EVs. Yeah, so paddle chargers were a thing, J1773, yeah. I think. And then also the Avcon chargers were uh, a thing on what, what some used as well, which I think is what Gen 1 RAV4 EV used. Um, okay. Yeah, just fascinating stuff. It was a great history lesson. If you're into electric cars, I mean, this is the video to watch, no question, because, again, it's a niche audience. It's like a long thing, as we're good at doing long videos. But – like, it's just constant new information the entire video. I was just fascinated. So it was really great. We thought, and Patrick and Liv were there just in the background because we were all heading to the same event afterwards. I was like, oh, we're just going to film a five-minute little thing. We'll be right back. And it just okay. we just went for 45 minutes. It was amazing. Right on. That sounds pretty awesome. I'll have to check that out myself. Um, you also have a you have a video going up today we, about a thing we talked about a few weeks ago. But uh, so you've been doing you've this is your second time you've done this race to Vegas sort of um, a race from Fort Collins right to Las Vegas is like eight hundred miles I believe. Yeah, we we left from Colton's shop uh, where we film out of spec detailing. So it was, uh, you know, 804 miles instead of 812 that it typically is. But yeah, 800 miles. Right. So so you have this, you did this last year as well. So you assemble a bunch of cars and you drive to Vegas, not top speed, not, you're not racing like crazy. I think you have a cap of like five miles an hour over the speed limit. And it's really about charging strategy and all that. So Tell us what cars you maybe a bit more about the outline of of the whole of like the rules or whatever, uh, what cars you had and how it went. Yeah, so the idea of race to Vegas can change over time, but the idea for this video was to take the three longest range, fastest charging, top road tripping electric sedans on the market today, uh, and road trip race them to see which is the fastest from. Fort Collins, in this case, Windsor to Las Vegas. Now, we had already posted two previous videos of us driving to Las Vegas, and it was a bit of a fail um, because we weren't able to maximize the cars all the time with infrastructure was really bad. And the Model S won by like three hours on the way there because they can rely on the much superior Tesla supercharger network, which I cannot wait until every car uses this. Um, but on the return trip, we decided, you know, Green River was a big holdup on the way out. So we decided to pretend like Green River didn't exist for CCS. So both Ryan driving the Taycan and me driving the Lucid 
skipped Green River to avoid headaches. And it's good because we would have had a major headache there again. Um, so we're really happy that we did make that decision. And what's crazy about this is we all left Las Vegas at 100% state of charge. We all had the same rules of not going over five over the speed limit, but everything else was up to the driver. And each of us are fairly expert level road trippers where we know how to run the cars all the way out, take advantage of the charging curve and leave just till we can get to the next charger and use this hop method. Um, but then it's even a little bit harder in the lucid because of signet surge. I had to skip all the signet stations because the car charges like very poorly on electrify America signet. So I was locked into ABB. So I couldn't like full, like I, I was working against all of these variables. So I maximized the car to the best possible given the environment to where it will perform well. And um, you know, uh, we all just ripped it from Vegas to uh, Windsor and it's just crazy. The results, I won't give it away here, but it's, it's a three hour and three and a half hour long video. It's live right now. Um, you know, put it on in the background and fall asleep. It's doing big numbers already. I think it already has 2000 views in 28 minutes, something like that. So it's already got like, you know, a ton of interest, uh, which is great for that smaller channel on our network. So we're pleased that people like this. I want to do more of these. Oh, and so I'm motoring. Is it? Motoring? Yeah. Motoring channel? yeah. Okay. Yeah. Of course, yeah. So any road trip related story goes on motoring. Um, okay. And that's what that channel is all about, electric road trips and adventures. And um, man, what an epic time, though. You line up the three top long range electric cars, Tesla supercharger network against, you know, arguably, you know, faster charging, longer range cars relying on the public networks. And you'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, looking at those three cars, I'm just looking at. I'm thinking of which one would I like to have to own if I was going to own a car, man, it's, it's a hard decision. Yeah. You know, I had all three uh, parked in front of my house for a month, roughly. Um, okay. So I was able, you know, at the same, I've had all of them longer, but they were all here for a long period of time. And it was a tough decision to like figure out what, what am I going to take to Starbucks this morning? Um, right. You know, I, I found myself jumping into the Tycon more than the others. Um, especially for around town. It's a, what's interesting is the Tycon loses on paper. It has right. the least amount of range. That particular one is the slowest because it's just a rear wheel drive, but it's the range spec. And okay. um, like, it's, it shouldn't be like fun or fast or anything like, because that's just like ultimate range mode, but it just is such a high quality car. I get into the model S, like I always say, you know, creaks and rattles and it's a little bit cumbersome and, uh, you know, just weird suspension tuning. I get into the lucid and the software would drive me nuts because it would take forever to boot up. And, you know, I just like it, the car is huge to drive around town and I don't really fit that well in it. I don't like the seating position. And then I just get in the Tycon and it's like, I can sit on the floor and I just feel so good in that car. Nobody asked me, but I'll take the Tycon uh, no, any yeah, day. I'm, you know, I, I, I'm, I love all of them, but the Taycan, I've driven them all extensively. And to me, the Taycan is heads above both of those two cars. As far as driving experience, um, it's not even close. I haven't driven the Lucid yet, but it's just, I'm, I'm really, the Taycan is really kind of, you know, if I, have, if I had all the money in the world and all that, I would, what's, what's, the, uh, what's the, the street wagon? That's the version I like. Cross um, Turismo? No, not the cross turismo, the other one, the something turismo. Sport turismo, sport turismo, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of the one I think I like. Yeah, but I just yeah. like the way you, the, the, everything feels. You sit and you grab the wheel and you hold it, even if it's tootling to go to the Starbucks or whatever. 
I, but, I think it's a better experience, right? Yeah, with rear steer, like the car's great, but Sapphire just launched Lucid Air True. Sapphire. And right. that to me, that seems like the ultimate electric car right now. I mean, I haven't driven it yet. I'm, I'm hoping to do so next week. I don't know. It's very early days. Right. But, uh, you know, I'm like Lucid let some other journalists drive it, which was great. But there was like mm-hmm. a supervised drive. And then like, you know, the PR guys sitting in the back. And I'm like, OK, let me know when I can just take one up a mountain road. You know right. what I mean? And it just seems stupidly crazy. I cannot wait to have a go in that car. Yeah. Uh, 1200 horsepower. It, it basically is like a, a maybe a bit better than the Plaid, a little bit quicker than the Plaid. So because like they chose the correct horsepower number, which is one, two, three, four. Okay. So it's 1,234 horsepower. That's cool. uh, Which is, which is great. And you know, like you can always, you can always like kind of massage those numbers a little bit. So I just love that they chose the one, two, three, four, um, 60 and you know, whatever that, uh, that, that does not excite me. What excites me is this crazy torque vectoring system that they have the incredible handling dynamics of the air already. Like naturally our car, we have the long range one, of course, but like this thing should be a monster if they've tuned it properly, which it sounds like they have, it has track mode for drag racing endurance, which means multiple laps for like a track day. And then, you know, like a hot lap where it just gives you everything and lets it melt itself. Nice. So it's just awesome. Yeah. Cannot wait for this car. $250,000, uh, which is two plaids. Right. Yeah. I mean, is it two plaids? Yeah. It's more than two plaids, actually, because I think plaids 110, something like that. Uh, yeah. Uh, that sounds about right. I think, actually. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, I mean, the, the plaid is a crazy performance bargain, in, you know, in some respects, I think. I mean, yeah, but so like that, that's just the argument everyone brings up, which is like numbers on paper. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, the plaid's almost as like, it just like is not that much more on paper, but right. I imagine on a back road, on a track day in the, the tangible, I should say the untangible uh, things that we can't see on paper, this right. might actually be twice the car, um, you know, just seems like they went all out for this thing. Big brakes. Uh, interesting tire choice, though, I thought. Two, 275 front, 295 rear. We won't speak on it too much because we don't have a huge performance audience, but I just, I'm just i not sure that's enough tire up front. So we'll have to experience it and see it and try their OE tire compound with Michelin. That could be really an interesting, um, you, know, they, they, you know, the OE uh, version of that PS4S uh, from Lucid could be really sticky. Just listening to some of the first drives, it sounds like they really made it a cup two on the outside for maximum grip and a PS4S in the middle. So that could be really neat. And um, I mean, the, the whole car just seems crazy. Now, what makes sense to me is if you look at current Lucid Air pricing, you know, like my dad, his car was 155 sticker, something like that. And he bought it with 800 miles on it for 50,000 less than that. Um, right. I think possible and likely we'll see the same thing with sapphire so i think if you can pick one of these up used in two years for a hundred grand that that just seems like so much car for the money yeah a hundred grand would be amazing and whoever buys one of these things is not going to you know stack all kinds of miles on it likely right i i don't see uh at least so far we haven't seen many lucid owners like go out and really use their cars there's like maybe three or four people out there that i know of that are road tripping and doing the stuff but yeah most of them just seem to drive it around town right all right hey tom uh you've had your ford f-150 lightning for like a year now right 
Yeah, yeah, I got yeah. it in July. So it's just past one year. Uh, I'm going to be putting out a video on my like one year impressions. But overall, it's not going to come to any surprise to uh, the podcast listeners here. And and I'm sure to you two guys either that I'm I'm still very, very pleased with it. And, uh, wow. you know, when I when I got it last year, if you remember, I had this decided which truck I was going to get. I was getting the Rivian R1T, which one I was going to keep. That was going to be a big decision weighing on my mind. And um, I decided to keep the Lightning. And uh, to, for me, at least, it's a better electric truck. Now, there's things the Rivian does better than the Lightning. Of course, you put any two vehicles up against each other, like Kyle just had the, the Air, the Taycan, the Model S. He could go on and on about what this car does better than this car and what this car does better than this car. So it's always going to be a personal preference. So I'm not saying, you know, hands down, the Lightning's better than the R1T. But for me, what I wanted to do, I, I don't go on adventures too often, overlanding, camping, and, and so forth, which is what the R1T's really, its specialty is. I need a balance between work, utility, uh, comfort, and and uh, the, the Lightning is just... A great EV. I'm still shocked at how good of a job Ford did without doing a ground up build with a dedicated platform. The thing drives so well. It, it drives like a like a car, like a big lofty Cadillac just cruising down the road. I know I've, I've made that analogy a few times. My wife prefers driving that over our other EVs, although now she's starting to get into the Bolt because it reminds her of the i3 a little bit and it's very easy to park and all that stuff. But I didn't think Meredith was going to want to drive a big full-size pickup truck at all. And um, she loves driving the Lightning. And every time we go somewhere far away, like we go up to Vermont and we went to Canada and upstate New York, she always, it's like, no, we're taking the Lightning. She makes that decision. So that tells you how she feels about, you know, driving in the Lightning. It's just a great Great, great vehicle all around. Of course, there's some things I don't love about it. I'm going to make a video on my likes and dislikes after one year's of ownership. That's probably going to be out. I was hoping to do it before I go away. I'm going away on vacation next week, but um, I don't know if I'm going to get that done by then. But um, I'm not Kyle. I can't grab my mic and go out and do it in a half an hour in the driveway. <laughs> he's, he's just blessed with the ability to just rock a video without planning and stuff. I have to write a script and all this stuff. Anyway, um, so... Uh, uh, I'm absolutely love it. And, uh, you know, don't, don't plan on getting rid of it anytime soon. Uh, I'm going to keep the, uh, the, the, um, R1S though. That's also a, a great vehicle. Um, the R1T was a great vehicle too, but, um, honestly, head to head, uh, to me, the, uh, the, the lightning is better for what I want a pickup truck to do. And I, I, I got to give Ford credit. I use the, the pro power on board all the time. I was just at, I, I posted some pictures on Twitter a couple of weeks ago. I was at a big outdoor festival, this outdoor concert in, in town they have here. And I had all kinds of extension cords running out of the pro power on board. We were powering a pizza oven. We had fans because it was really hot. We had a whole bunch of fans set up. Yeah, oh yeah, that's that that's we had two pizza ovens there. And I had an induction range, which you could see. And that thing pulls a lot of power. That pulls 1500 watts. And um, we, we were boiling hot dogs in the induction pan. And I uh, had I had other people come over and plug in to to hook up radios and things. It was it was actually a really, really fun day. And uh, everyone was checking out the lightning. And it just it, it has such great utility. And, um, you know, I have the uh, uh, intelligent backup power system here at my house. I've used that a couple of times. And, uh, you know, they just really nailed it. And I'm super happy that I got it. And uh, I'm going to be keeping this for a while, at least probably until uh, 
the T3 comes out, Ford's uh, next uh, generation truck, because everybody that I talked to at Ford has kind of like, you know, looked at me and just said, Tom, you wait till you see what we're working on here. And I know that's these companies' jobs to build up excitement or whatever, yeah. but I could tell, you know, from Darren Palmer to, to Jim Farley, to, to all the people at Ford, I could tell they are genuinely excited about this next generation uh, platform for electric vehicles that's going to be coming out in 2025. So um, looking forward, looking forward to that. But uh, yeah, so that video is coming out soon. I also just put out a video wait, on- Wait, Tom. Uh, wait, wait, Tom. Yeah. One, one question real quick on the Lightning. Sure. Um, how, how many miles you got on it? Uh, almost 13,000 now. So I, I put, okay, yeah, I put like 20. A, what's that? I was just going to say, that's a good amount for for a year, actually. That's like the normal, that's like a little bit more than the average, actually, uh, use well, of, of a vehicle in a year. Well, collectively, we put 25,000 miles a year on our vehicles here, me and my wife. So that was right. about half of my our household driving. So do you know offhand what your efficiency is for that? Yep. 2.1 Miles, I, 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 all my vehicles, I, I always set the, uh, the consumption rate when I first buy it and they usually have multiple, uh, trip odometers, you know, and I, and I, I never reset that one. So, okay. um, I, my overall efficiency for about 13,000 miles is 2.1 miles per kilowatt hour. I'm averaging around 2.3, 2.4 from, uh, say March through November, and then from November to March, it's, it's dropping down to like 1.7 ish, something like that, um, with the colder weather and uh, you know a lot of the long. It's it's interesting in the winter. It seems like that's when I did more long trips at highway speed, 70, 80 miles an hour when it's 10 degrees out. So th- those are the ones that really push down the overall consumption. I had been averaging up until the first six months I had the truck, I was averaging 2.3 miles per kilowatt hour. Then the winter came. And then it dropped down and uh, now it's going back, back up to like 2.1. Uh, right. And one thing, just keeping track of mileage, I'd like to at least uh, let our audience know for Rivian owners out there, um, you know, Tesla owners as well. There's a great website called Teslafy and Teslafy tracks all of your data, every charge session, every drive, logs it together, looks at your battery degradation over time. It's fascinating the data that you can get out of there. Um, it's basically just, you know, pulling all the data all the time from the car. I've used it on every Tesla. I love it. But just yesterday, they launched Electrify. And the first non-Tesla that's supported is Rivian, R1T or R1S. And so, Tom, you should hook this up on your R1S. It'll track everything. It'll track every charge. It'll be interesting to see how it does because it's still in beta. They're, like, still figuring out the, like, fine-tuning of the Rivian stuff. But I, I've just, you know, sort of drove it around the block, plugged it in, checked it out. And uh, so far, it seems to be the same functionality I get from Tesla, maybe a few less, uh, like, commands I can send to the cars and stuff. But just amazing. If you go to the bottom of any out-of-spec reviews video, there's a little link you can click that. It gives you some extra free time if you want to try it. Um, so, yeah, I just just wanted to plug them. It's not like a paid thing, but uh, keeping track of mileage, this is the best service I could ever imagine for something and, like that. And that's done with awesome. an, through an app, but you also have to have a, like an OBD2, OBD2 dongle, no. right? No? No, no, no dongle. It, oh. it hooks right up to everything. What's, what's it plug into? You have to grant it access to your vehicle, I think. And then yeah, once you yeah, do so that. It, yep. It just hook you just log in with your Tesla credentials and it just does it. Sweet. It's amazing. Okay. okay. And it, it costs something though, right? It's obviously not free and it's not ad driven. 
Right. Yeah. So it's very cheap. It's like five bucks a month or something. I don't know what it is. Okay. But, uh, right. Yeah. If you don't have it hooked up to your Tesla, Dom, you really should. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I, I should actually, I will do that. I, I had Tesla fly on my Teslas and now um, I'll, I'll definitely do this. I didn't know that was available, Kyle. Thanks for the, thanks for the heads up. I'm yeah. I'm not sure they like wanted everyone to know about it, but uh, I saw, saw Rivian like, tracker post about it on Instagram. It's like he tracks all the software versions and I was like, ah, I'm in. And then Brandon Flash sent me the link. I'm like, oh, great. Got to set this up. So, yeah, I think we're like one of the first five Rivians on there or something. I've just added it to my to-do list. There we go. Great. <laughs> I'm, trying to do, I'm trying to be organized now, now that I don't have a job. Right. <laughs> now that this is my job. <laughs> yeah, actually, your job got way more intensive. Exactly. Yeah, actually, kind of if more focused at least. All right. Hey, um, so, Tom, you, had a, you have a video. I think it's out now. Um, this is really interesting. So you were telling me, I didn't hear about this until you told me about this, but EVgo and Electrify America have banned adapters that aren't made by automakers. What's up with that? And so, yeah, how, so how that, video is, that video is not out yet. It's I, I okay. might post it today or tomorrow. Um, so yeah, it's it, this isn't actually new with EVgo. Back when the first adapters, the first CCS Tesla adapters came out, remember that big clunky thing? I have it right here, actually. Uh, they they realized that it was unsafe, so they amended their terms of use and said you're not allowed to use adapters. But it kind of flew under the radar. We didn't really talk about it. Adapters weren't really a big thing then. So now you, I did a video last week on Electrify America's new pricing structure that they transitioned from set pricing to dynamic pricing, station to station, which I think is more fair. I think that actually is a good move for Electrify America because the price of electricity varies greatly around the country and and they should be able to charge more in areas that it costs them more. So uh, Tesla does that on their superchargers. So in any event, but they also upgraded or updated their terms of use. And that's something that, you know, people very rarely read terms of use. Well, depends on who you are. Some people probably read it all the time. So after the um, uh, I did that video, I said, let me see if there's anything else in this new terms of use that Electrify America did. So I clicked on it and I read it. And now there's a whole section on adapters saying that they only allow adapters on their network that are made by the automaker on the, to be used on their vehicle. So for instance, Tesla's adapters you can use, but you can't buy one from Lectron or, or there's a bunch of companies that make them, Latro and, and so forth. Um, so I reached out to Electrify America and said, you know, uh, could you talk about this? And they sent me an email back. They, they said, yeah, you know, the, 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 some of these adapters are unsafe. You know, they're low quality. You know, we, we don't want some, we, we don't want to be liable if, if you damage your car, if you damage our charging equipment or if somebody gets hurt. So, um, yeah, we're banning them from the network. You can only use adapters that are made by the manufacturer to charge your vehicle. So then I reached out to EVgo. I knew EVgo had this policy and I said, hey, I'm making this video on this. Could you give me some comments? And our good friend Jeremy uh, was one of the people that that commented. And then he kicked it up the ladder, I think. And then I got two or three more emails saying, you know, hey, um, this is a really important topic. We'd like to weigh in further on this. Thank you for 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 talking about this because it doesn't seem like anybody's talking about it. People are going on Amazon and just buying the cheapest adapter. And right now, if you go on Amazon, there's dozens of companies making these adapters for DC really? fast charging. And, you know, it's, it's one thing to use an adapter for AC charging where you got 240 volts, 40 amps, 48 amps. That's enough to kill you if you really yeah. get whacked right. But now you're talking about passing through up to 500 amps and 
potentially up to a thousand volts through this third party adapter. And we don't know if the innards are made to really withstand that. I've learned through my charging uh, station reviews that these new companies that are putting out charging equipment lie. They, they flat out lie. They say this is rated for 48 amps. You're opening up the wiring. The connections inside is not rated for 48 amps. Uh, they say it's UL listed. They have a big UL stamp on their Amazon thing. But then when I really find out about this, oh, the connector that they purchased is UL rated. Oh, Nothing else, not the cable, not the charging equipment, not the plug, anything. But they, so they trick people. And w- we have this mentality now, unfortunately, to go to Amazon, click on lowest price and say, oh, look, I'm saving 50 bucks and buying it. And there's things you can do that with, you know, but there's things right. you can't. And when it comes to EV charging equipment, I'm going on my rant again here. No, Don't no, buy safety, safety. cheap yeah. EV charging equipment or adapters. It will be, you know, that 50 bucks you save will cost you so much money down. It may cost you. You may get lucky and get away with it. I know I'm going to get people saying, oh, I've been using the, this 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 adapter now. I've used it for three months. There's no problems with it. I hope for your sake, there's never problems with it. But, you know, you, you may have that issue. So in any event, I made a video on this talking about why these manufacturers have, uh, why uh, Electro America and EVgo have banned the use of non certified manufacturer. You could bet if Tesla puts something out, if Ford puts something out, it's been rock solid tested by their engineers. Um, but what we really need is governing bodies. Now I hate to include government and, and, and standards bodies, but nobody's really checking these adapters at this point. And there right. needs to be some sort of a, a national uh, testing board to approve adapters and put a stamp on it and, and say, okay, this adapter is, is, is approved and rated for a thousand volts or something like that. And I think we're going to get to that point because up until now, adapters weren't a big thing. They, they just started to be a big thing with Tesla, the CCS1 adapters. But wait till the next starts ending up being on all of these other automakers' cars Everyone's going to be buying NAX adapters and you know, we're going to see them getting flooded coming over from China and they're going to be, this one's $20 less, this one's $50 less. And there's going to be problems. I don't want to see anybody get hurt. I don't want to see you melt your charge point port, break a, a, a charger that now other people can't use because your cheap adapter melted the pins on the, on, on the, on that supercharger. So um, yeah, I'm putting that video out uh, within a few days and uh, basically, you know, uh, sometimes I feel like there's a fine line for me between informing the public and lecturing people. Uh, And, you know, I I have to kind of walk that. I don't want to sound like I'm, 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 you know, I'm telling you spend more money and people are like, you know, I'm on a tight budget here. If I could save 50 bucks, I, 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 I need to, you know, I, I I can't afford a $500 adapter, but understand safety is, is, is number one concern. And if, if you have to wait an extra month or two to save up to buy the, the, the adapter that Tesla makes, it's worth it, please. Uh, You'll, 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 you'll be better off. So So, I have some experience with this as well and talking to everyone about the adapters, uh, especially at the companies. Now, the thing is, Tom, they say just just playing devil's advocate for a half a second. They say that they're banned. The charge sessions still work 100 percent of the time. Right. How can they tell? They can't. There's no way for them to tell. Uh, It's not possible. So they're just saying like, you know, in the fine print that no driver ever looks at. 
don't use these adapters. So unless you listen to batteries included or watch state of charge or watch out of spec, because we talk about this on our channels, that no one will know. They're going to go on Amazon. They're going to buy the cheap adapter. They will have no clue. And, and most of the time, they don't even know if it's the Tesla official adapter or not, because they all kind of look the same. Uh, there's a few uh, considerations here that that are the reason for them uh, being dangerous in a sense, or or some of them. And that is the lack of temperature sensors or thermistors inside of the actual adapter. You see, the adapter is just a dumb connection point between CCS to NACS or NACS to CCS, which will come in the future. And the, uh, the internals of that, because there's now double the connection points happening, mm-hmm. You have double the chance of of buildup of resistance of heat and melting. It's really important that that adapter is monitored even more than just the original connection. And some of them are shipping without temperature sensors at all. Now, talking to one of my friends who's an engineer at EVGO, he was really disappointed in the Tesla adapter. He said, look, we have to uh, allow this one because whatever. But like just the distance from the temperature sensor to the actual pins, he's like, you could have a thermal event and it might take too long for it to actually derate the session. So even he was like, I don't even want to allow the Tesla adapter on our network. Um, But, you know, of course they have to. So these are serious problems. And like Tom is saying, the first charging session is always going to work great. You're going to plug that thing in. You're going to charge. Awesome. If you use it once, I don't think there's a problem with really any of them. As soon as you start using it two times, 200 times, you're five years down the road. The thing's built up a little bit of resistance. Even my Tesla adapter is black and charred now. I'm going to I'm going to throw it out and get a new Tesla adapter. I've only had it a year and a half and I've only charged on it maybe 30 times, 40 times. I don't know how many, but um you know, like my pins are totally broken in the official Tesla one and it's just not looking pretty. So you just got to make sure that your entire station or your entire system is working right. And these are replaceable components. These are not lifetime rated components. So keep an eye on them. Uh, you know, I, I'm probably done using that CCS adapter from Tesla from now on. Cause it's all, I wish I had it with me. I'd show you, but it's all charred on the inside and everything. And we've put that adapter through hell. You know, it, it claims it's rated for 350 amps, but if you plug the car into a 500 amp charger, it's not doing anything. It's sending 500 amps. I ran 680 amps through that thing. It was already charred before that. It's not like that broke it. But, um, you know, I it, it actually didn't look any worse after. And we temperature monitored the whole thing. It didn't even get that hot. But, yeah, so, so it's just keep an eye on your adapters. Make sure they're safe. I'm not even 100% convinced the automaker ones are that safe, especially over time. And so I, I've been pretty anti-adapter um, from a safety perspective. But we're going to need to figure it out because this whole NAX thing is going to be huge. Right. So That's speaking, of, speaking of adapters and safety and charging safety, uh, we, although we, we didn't talk about this week, but you went to Tesla uh, Takeover, which is a big event with a lot of different vendors and stuff. And you saw a demonstration of the EVject uh, Tesla plug charger thing. Did we talk about that last week a little bit? Uh, no, I haven't wanted to talk about them much or okay. even film them much because right. there are no thermistors in that unit oh, is okay. my understanding. And okay. I'm not a hundred percent sure it can derate if it gets hot. Okay. I mean, so I, was like, more investigation. I basically said, send us one. We'll try right. and break it. And then maybe then we can do a promotion thing because of course they want to go on our channels and do all these things. And I'd be happy. Sure. I think it's a great idea. It's a yeah, the concept product. is great. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. Amazing. But I don't want to, like Tom was saying, I don't want to promote something that I don't feel is 
safe, you know, it might be right. safe on that first charge, but if you do, you know, 500 chargers over three years, keep in mind, these adapters are just going to like sit in people's door pockets and get bounced around for years. And then the problem is like, um, at least according to the official specs, EV Jekt is saying it's rated for 250 kilowatts, but I'm like, don't, you don't rate adapters in kilowatts. You rate it in amps because the, the, the voltage doesn't really affect it. It's all about the current that it has to handle. And so what, I, you know, they're like, okay, well it can handle today's 250 kilowatts. But then I'm like, what happens? Max is rated for a thousand volts, thousand amps. What happens if someone plugs this into a thousand amp, you know, cyber, tra- I don't know. I'm just saying you plug it into something where it fits Right. Well, that adapter's got to tell the charger, like, "Hey, I'm hot. Slow down." Yeah, right. So, and one thing Kyle just mentioned about uh, your adapter, and you're going to throw it in your door pocket. Please pick up a small bag um, uh, for your adapters. Don't leave them exposed to dust and dirt in your car. And I'm, I'm not saying you'll drive dirty cars, but it's going to happen. And the, those pins just from keeping dust and everything off them will extend the life of the pins. Uh, you could spill coffee or something. And, uh, you know, when you open your car door, it rains and water, you know, you don't realize water's dripping down into that door, um, uh, the door pocket, and then the pins get wet. So put them in a little bag, uh, a waterproof bag, pr- preferable, and, and keep it somewhere safe for sure. And another thing Kyle mentioned about the fact that uh, there's, there's nothing, the, 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 the networks can do about stopping you. And and he's right about that. And EVgo even said that at the end, and I talk about this in the video that, you know, they understand that they can't stop people from using them. Uh, you know, it's not like there's going to be an adapter police and they're going to drive around to these locations and say, Kyle, I just caught you using a electron adapter. You're banned from the network. That's not going to happen. I think this was more of a legal issue that it's in their terms of service. Now, if there's any problem, you, they they will say we we're washing our hands with this. You're paying for the the new charger that you just burned up. You're gonna have to fix your own car. Uh, if somebody got hurt, you're liable. We told you not to use these, and and you used it. You broke the terms of service. Now it's on you. So that that's really more of the ban, not that they're gonna come around and tell you you can't use their network. Um, there this this is a liability issue for them. And and I would if I owned a network and ran a network, I'd do the same thing. Because just can't, you, you, maybe 90% of the adapters or 80% of the adapters are safe. I don't know. I'm just throwing a number out there. Maybe 50% of them are. But I can guarantee you there is a percentage of these adapters being made today that are unsafe. And you will have problems if you use them extensively. You won't have problems the first few times probably. But you keep banging these things and using them, You're gonna we're going to start seeing cases of fires, plugs being melted. And you know that people are going to blame the network. They don't want to take people don't want to take responsibility that they save fifty dollars on an adapter and that's the reason why there was a problem. They're going to say, "Oh, it was Signet Surge. It was this. It was that." They'll be pointing fingers every way, but 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 look in the, in the mirror because they're the ones that saved a few bucks on an adapter. Yeah. Speaking of storage, uh, Gary Bushy has it figured out. He's got. A, he says on uh, in the comments here, I have a nice hard case with foam inserts to store my adapters. More so I can keep my trunk organized than to extend the life of the adapter. Both of those things are just are great reasons to, to go through that effort. That's great. <laughs> Good job, I Gary. I never do that. That is just so not – I just throw <laughs> garbage in the car and it bounces around and whatever. But, yeah, yeah I had, I think don't I had do what mine, I do. I think mine rolling around a little bit, but I, the, the sound drives me nuts. So now it's actually sitting – I have it plugged into a J1772 
Same Are you wagon. saying you drive a Tesla and the 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 loudest noise is actually just an adapter rolling around and it's not yeah. like the whole car creaking? Yeah, my car doesn't creak. It's great. No, I know yours is a great one. My Model yeah. Three actually too is it makes some backseat noises. My Model Three, but my Model Three is so solid. Yeah, once the suspension was changed, yeah. Right. Yes. But, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that made a huge. Yeah, I don't. I haven't driven it since with the new suspension yet. I still kind of want to do that. I have to. Mm-hmm. I need to drive up to Colorado. It's an easy drive. Yeah, it is. I, yeah, I love that drive. I love like driving across Texas. Actually, <laughs> I, I, I did it one. I want to. I want to do it again so badly. Yeah. Oh my god, it's like pulling just at get me. Far and go. Yeah, I, w- I wish things were that easy. There's so many things up, but eventually I will be doing like a bunch of road tripping. I think. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Um, yeah, I know, right? Um, yeah, just need to have a, a good laptop and my expense, whatever my my whole my whole life needs to be figured out right now. But anyway, hey, Mike, laptop, Starlink, send it. Starlink, right? Okay, gonna hit those thumbs up, subscribe. <laughs> That's right. Subscribe to Battery Included. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Um, so let's talk about some news, and I think this, yeah. So yes. I think the big news of the week this week is the uh, unveiling of the Cadillac Escalade IQ. So this is a, an all-new Escalade, 100% electric from the ground up. Um, I'm not sure what we could say about it. Well, let's say I've got the top thing to say about it is that it costs $130,000 to begin with. Okay, so that's that. And we, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see it on your screen here what it looks like. And uh, let's start with kind of that though. So $130,000, Kyle, I know you're not the styling guy, I know, but just what are your impressions right off? Oh, yeah, I care, care less about the styling. Uh, I think it's really ugly, actually. More so than, because you, I think you like, were you a fan of the regular Escalade? I know it's a big amongst yeah. like, automotive press and, you know. I love the regular Escalade. It's so in your face, especially when you get it blacked out. And I had an Escalade V here on test recently, and that was just freaking epic. It's so great. You know, supercharged V8s, makes all the right noises, does all the stuff. And like this just looks uh, like less intimidating. I don't know. Sure. Mm -hmm. But hopefully it's still just as big. The big news for me about this is this is the first full-size electric SUV to hit our market. Now, everyone complaining, oh, don't you know about the EV9 or R1S? Like, yes, I review cars for a living. I know about those. This is 30 inches longer, roughly, than a Kia EV9 and 22 inches longer than a Rivian R1S. It's 12 12 inches longer than the regular Escalade. Not the ESV Escalade, but it's like three inches shorter than the extended version Escalade. Yeah, things going to be freaking beefy. And it looks so small in the photos, but then I look yeah, at no, the specs it, and I'm like, hell yeah. It, it's wider too than the regular, than the, the one we have right now. It's like it's three, basically, four inches wider. It's basically Silverado EV or Hummer EV uh-huh. underneath. Uh-huh. It's that same platform. Right. And, um, you same know, GM, yeah. So, like, the big thing is, like, can GM build electric cars? The answer is they haven't proven it yet. I mean, they can prove they built the Bolt stuff, but the Ultium suppliers have really screwed them, is my understanding. And mm-hmm. they've done a terrible job communicating uh, around production uh, timing and guidance and keeping customers, um, you know, basically, uh, you know, going ahead with, uh, 
you know, basically making people feel confident they can figure this thing out. Now, they based on their announcements, based on their rollout, it seems like all of this is getting sorted soon. I also think it's funny how they're using J1772 in this photo, but right. it's a 1025 <laughs> model year launch, which means Nax. Right. Yeah, it should be it should be Nax. So I'm, I don't think they have all that hardware, the supply, all that figured out yet. They may not be able to do it yet. Um, But yeah, it's just like the thing's going to be beefy. So over 200 kilowatt hours usable. It's going to be the same battery as Silverado, all that that stuff, the big double stacker. stacker. So we already kind of know how it's going to charge 365 kilowatt peak. Um, You know, it's going to have hopefully less weird charging performance, you know, in in terms of these sways that Tom and I have experienced charging Hummer EV before. uh, And I've experienced charging Silverado as well. It's just a little bit annoying, but it's a it's a true full size 450 mile EPA range. Big boy, 40 speaker, AKG optional, um, you know, just in your face escalade finally you can pile the family in there this is what we've been needing you know all these freaking bolt owners that are like this is bad for the environment get out of here because this is what americans want you know that this replaces one escalade uh out there and it's it's more efficient than a combustion escalate and it's cooler so you know this is just absolutely fantastic in my opinion i grew up with suburbans i still get them on test i love the full size once you have a big ass suv you kind of can't go back like you once you have the space you're like so used to it it's just like ah you know you i i feel like the r1s is too small ev9 is too small we got three big dogs like i just want to pile everyone in there and so here we go so anyway yes uh it's technically a 350 volt architecture normally until you plug it in, just answering uh, Chauncey's question here, until okay. you plug it into a DC charger that's a thousand volt capable, and then it switches the pack from parallel to series to double right. the pack voltage, and that's where you get the high charging speeds. They, they call it an 800 volt charging speed, or just whatever voltage, charging voltage is 800 volts. Right, charging, but, not, but not, not actually, like Kyle said, yeah. Not operationally, no. no. Yeah. Right, and, and even when charging, it doesn't really ever get to 800 unless you're top top charging yeah. right it's like nominal uh, 740 or 750 based off hummer testing so i just want to switch back to the to the styling right now because we're, we're looking at on the youtube uh on the video of the, the back and that's where to me it kind of falls down it sort of mimics the the lyric a bit it's got that you know i can't believe it in back instead of being more i think in the rich traditionally escalate is like straight up and down in the back right so it, which gives you more of a room and you know just more volume inside. This is kind of mimicking the the lyric a bit, and then it's got those on the back the the taillights. They're they're separated by a base of the of the bodywork. It, it I don't like the way it looks in the, in the back. I'm fine with the rest of it, you know. But I kind of feel the same way, Dom. I was going to say that this I actually like the side profile. The front, I'm okay with. I don't love it, but I'm okay with it. The rear is where it kind of falls off a little bit for me. But yeah. you know, it's 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 styling is so subjective. Um, you know, I'm I'm, right. I'm I think this is gonna I think this is gonna do well. To be honest with you, I know a lot of our yeah. readers is probably gonna say, you know, how you know I can't imagine spending 130 plus thousand on this. The the, the thing is, Cadillac sells a ton of Escalades, and go to Cadillac dealership today. It's hard to find one under a hundred thousand dollars. Oh, and, is it? And, okay. and yeah, oh yeah, they started like eighty-two or something like that. Ooh, but with, okay. with 
the average cost of an Escalade, I bet, is over $100,000 these days. Um, and I know because I have a friend that's shop, shopping one now, and um, he was trying to find one that was under 100000 And you can spec them that way. But if you get yeah. the things that you want to get, and uh, it's 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 a, it's 100 grand, And then the Cadillac V is, is 150000 so oh, is this it? is, oh. yeah, it's, it starts at 150,000. Well, I think it's pretty much loaded at that price. So, um, and this thing's going to have more power than the Cadillac. The, it's got right, like how, 780 how horsepower or something. Um, seven, 750 horsepower, 785 pound feet of torque with the driver's selectable velocity yeah. max. Yeah. Engaged. And, uh, and it's, it's got crab walk. It's got yeah. the big rear steer. It's got all the space, all the power. And Ten- these things are freaking epic. And I yes. thought $130,000. Oh, that's pretty cheap. And yeah, to Tom's point, everyone complaining about the price. It's a freaking Escalade. What do you expect? Uh, yeah. You know, go buy the Tahoe when it comes out in two years. I think, and, uh, and it's a better Escalade than any Escalade available today, in my opinion, with all the extra features that Kyle just mentioned and that huge front trunk and how quiet and smooth it's going to be. It's a luxury vehicle. This is, you know, actually, you know, I, I think it's going to do well for Cadillac. It, it could. I mean, 130000 is like a lot of money. And I, th- I think that will help keep, you know, everyone from buying because we don't really need everyone to buy huge you know, SUVs, you know, we have, a, you know, but they do, Dom, we don't need them, oh, so, oh, but yeah, they we, do. Right. We have a second of the segment of the market that that's what they want. And that's what the automakers will make for them. And, you know, unless the government or somebody makes a law that says they can't do that, then you can't really fault automakers for giving people what they want, even though some of the reviews or some of the articles about this thing coming out, you know, they're very, this is a child killer because you could line up, you know, I don't know, 30 kids in front of it and you can't see them. There's a lot of problems with with large vehicles. Sure. But I mean, it's, I don't, I don't know. I don't like to give an automotive journalist take. I don't know. Right. Right. I I saw it. It just makes me roll my eyes. And, but, uh, but it's what people want Dom. I mean, right. Exactly. uh, You can't really advocate for small cars, you know, drive buy small cars. I mean, I love small cars and I will advocate for small cars because I think in a lot of ways they're, they're better. But some people need like large SUVs. They want more yeah. than these. They want. Some people list. need them, but it's more want right. than need, in my opinion. True. Totally. True. But if you can, if you want it, what's stopping you from getting it? And it's you can awesome. afford it. Yeah. You know? yeah. It's hard to tell people they can't have something. You know, it's, it doesn't really work out super well generally. Just makes them want it more. Right. Yeah. Although, anyway. you know, I was thinking about this just for a second. So I just drove Hummer EV SUV this week. Maybe something okay. we could, we didn't talk about it on this show, but yeah, you know, it's all. Awesome. We talked about it a bit last week, just so you oh, had we? it. Okay, great. Just, just um, briefly. That's $100,000, 105, I think. I'm not okay. sure where the extra 25K worth of content is coming from in this. You know, it's got the big screens. 55 inch curved screen, pillar to that's pillar not, in front. That's maybe $1,000 at most. Okay. Yeah, probably less than that worth of content. So yeah, mm-hmm. I just feel like the Hummer was underpriced, and GM uh-huh. was like, "Oh, in the used market, these things are still going for 170, 180, they, 200. Yeah, so they can't make like, them. They're not making enough of them. The demand but, is but like I would way rather, higher. I would rather the automaker earn the money than the dealer charge over msrp like crazy which you know that they're going to do with this anyway the, right. the thing with all these escalates is this is a two hundred thousand dollar vehicle for the first year where everyone's going to pay whatever it is to get it and then 
it'll come down to MSRP eventually. Right. It tows 8,000 pounds, by the way. Yeah, it's not enough. Oh, this is also interesting, too. So it's going to have a vehicle-to-home bidirectional charging technology with GM Energy's available Altium Home products. Capability will be enabled via an over-the-air software update for the 2025 model year. And the Cap Escalade IQ will also offer the option of vehicle-to-load V2L. And I think the I think GM announced they have a few other models that will have that, um, uh, what you call bi-directional charging in 2025 as well, right? Tommy, did you yep. see that? Yep, absolutely. I think mo- I think most of their uh, um, new vehicles from 25 on are going to have that. I know it has been announced, but I I'm, I get the feeling that that's what's going to be uh, available. That uh, Actually, maybe, you know, maybe not maybe. the least expensive, but uh, most, most of the v- vehicles will have that um, bi-directional power flow system. Right. And maybe that's availability the four model year, maybe too. Is it? 2024 model year? Yeah, I, well, I think it's going to start, but not on all of their vehicles. I think from 25 right. on, it's going to, all the new introductions are going to have that at least as an option. Right. And it's got huge wheels too. Like people are saying it looks small. I think part of that could be because it's on 24 inch wheels with 35 inch tires, <laughs> huge tires. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and I love how the, you know, people are like 200 kilowatt hours. Is that too big? Is that sustainable? Honestly, like, okay, what do you want people to do? Like there's still people who need or, or who are driving Tahoe, Yukon and Escalade right now, a large portion. Like I can go down the street and probably count 50 of them in an hour. Like everyone's got a suburban around here. Uh, what do you want them to do? Like buy four bolts, <laughs> you know, or just buy one Escalade that works for their needs. Like there is a seg. That's what people don't understand. Yeah. Small cars are great. I use my little electric smart car to drive around the city, choose the car that's good for the job. But this whole argument against batteries are too big. This thing has to have range. It has to have fast charging. And, you know, at the end of the day, like this is what's needed for people to actually buy this vehicle. You know, if they put a hundred kilowatt hour battery in it, no one would buy it. Right. And it's also important, important I think, this, to point out that this is like a 200 kilowatt hour battery right now. This is like the starting point. It's always from here on out, they're going to get lighter and smaller. You know, so this it's like a monster right now. It's like weighs as much as a Honda Civic, I think, the, the battery pack. But I mean, that's now, and it's, but it's going to be, you know, slowly, incrementally over time, or maybe there'll be a dramatic, uh, you know, who knows, jump in technology. But anyway, it's always going to be smaller and lighter. And this, is like need, our, this is our starting point. For EVs to proliferate, really, uh, we need them in all shapes and sizes. Yes, we yeah. need, most importantly, we do need more affordable, smaller EVs. Mm. I, we agree with you 100%. And I think if the manufacturers could make them, they'd be making them now. It's 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 a it's an economics issue. They they make more money on these big vehicles that they can charge one hundred and thirty thousand on. But we're gonna see the market pull back a little bit. We're already starting to see it a little bit over the last couple of years. There's there's vehicles that are a little bit more affordable than before. I know it's only a little bit more affordable, but don't forget, it wasn't too long ago that the EVs cost way more than their comparable counterparts, and now sure. that difference is getting closer and closer. And hopefully with vehicles like Equinox EV, that's going to come out. That's supposed to start at around 30, you know, hopefully um, that, that, and then GM's announced they're going to bring the bolt back with Ultium. You know, we, we, we haven't heard anything from Ford really about affordable 
um, lower priced uh, EVs, but um, they're, they're coming. It's just, it takes, it's, it's going to take some time because the automakers are already investing so much money and losing so much money on all their EV programs. They're trying to make it up every way they can. And the more expensive, bigger vehicles with bigger batteries are actually the way that they can justify keeping their EV programs going at this point. So right. it's, uh, we'll get those more exp- more affordable EVs um, over the course of the next few years. But uh, right now, uh, this is what we're seeing is the bigger, heavier vehicles with gi- giant batteries coming out. Yeah. And I would say, uh, based on this 450 mile range guidance, I think they're going to get every mile of that in the real world, truly. Because when I drove right. Silverado uh, EV, that was also rated for 450 miles. And it was on weight, like uh, tires that are probably less aero um, than, than these will be, even though they're on huge wheels. Yes, I know. But tire plays a huge impact as well. And also, uh, you know, just an SUV shape is more aerodynamic than a pickup truck. And so I think what's going to happen uh, with, with GM, just my prediction is with the Silverado EV, they said 400 miles and then they bumped it to 450 just at launch. I think this might actually see 500 at launch. Um, and just because I think you're really you really are going to get all of this uh, this this range out of this vehicle based off of my drive in Hummer and in Silverado EV on a similar platform. Yeah. And uh, Chris Benson uh, made a comment. He said, most suburban owners I know aren't dropping 125K on a vehicle. Uh, that may be correct, Chris, because suburbans cost a lot less. But the average Escalade today, I believe, and I think Abe posted it in the comment section, I think the average per- purchase price of an of a Escalade today is like 112000 So it's not far from that. You know, that's just the average price. So, you know, some of them are selling for more than that. So, uh, you know, this this is an Escalade. It's not a Suburban. There's a difference. Right. And they'll come out with the the Tahoe and Suburban electrics down the yeah. line. That'll be significantly cheaper, just like every other major automaker does. Start at the top and then blend the technology down. It's like Lyric first, then Blazer. So, you know, it'll come down. John. John Check is asking, is the front, front powered? I believe he's talking about the front. And I don't know, is it? It, is, be. it should be. Um, yeah, I, it is I powered in the other vehicles. So no, oh, no yeah, question. Okay. Oh, yeah. And um, right. Oh, you mentioned the, the, it has Crab Walk. They call it Cadillac Arrival Mode. This <laughs> is kind of great. Okay. I have to admit, I saw the Barbie movie this week. Oh, and, did you? Uh, oh, yes. Did you dress in pink I'm when jealous. you went? Did you have no. a pink shirt on, Kyle? And the, even worse, I saw it with Colton. And so, <laughs> so, well, uh, also Alyssa was with us and and her sister Michaela. So, like the four okay. of us went, and we're just like, oh god, I, I did not understand any of it. But there was one scene that I wanted to bring up, which is the arrival mode situation. Ken was driving the Hummer EV truck which looked awesome by the way that was the best part of the movie and he rolls up to the front of this or someone driving it rolls up to the front of this uh like uh i don't know valet situation full sideways on the way in and i was just like ah so sick and so arrival mode you know everyone's just going to be driving around new york city sideways with this uh, crab walk function yeah i can see it showing up in some music videos for sure and 40 speak speaking of music or music yeah the with the uh if you get the executive second row package there's a 40 speaker akg studio reference audio system equipped and the, right <laughs> so many spe- and the, uh, the alternatives to that there's a 30 i think it's 30 no 19 and 16 speaker configurations in the lower packages which is still a lot of speakers but 40 speakers is like it's built out of speakers. 
That's all I want in a car. It's just Escalade. I want to blow up the car next to me with the base. And then I want, you know, 750 horsepower to roast all the tires away from a light. It just seems perfect. Okay. Let's talk about some cheaper cars. The IRS, the IRS has added Tesla products to the list of vehicles eligible for a federal tax credit of up to $4,000 when purchased as used cars. So used car market. Hi, that's me. Um, used cars, more affordable cars, and now Tesla's vehicles will be eligible for that $4,000 credit if you can find them $25,000 or $25,000 or less. So I looked online last night and there are some there. It's not a huge amount and you have to really be careful, but that's probably going to you know get better as it goes along. There's a lot of Model S's on there, like from 2013, 2014, and some of them didn't have uh, some of them under 100,000 miles, like 75,000 miles, you know? It's a kind of an interesting uh, bunch of cars to look at. You just go to uh, you know uh, whatever car site you look at your cars. I think I used usually you go to cars.com, but for this this story was an auto trader, uh, so I looked there and they had there was like seventy four hundred Teslas on sale in the U.S. right now, but only one hundred ninety three of them were twenty five thousand dollars or less. And then out of that, about 30 of those are Model 3s. So 2018s are newer. And some of those are like salvage titles, uh, super high mileage. So you, ha- you have to be a little careful. But I did see a couple that caught my eye. It's like, hmm, that looks like a decent deal. So $25,000, um, $4,000 tax credit. That's a $21,000 used car. That is like, that's affordable, I think, for most of us. What do you think, Tom? Let me unmute. Um, Oh, no, 100%. I think it's great that they're added. And it's just going to get better in time because the prices are going to go down and more and more used vehicles will be available with this. I like this used car credit. I think this is long overdue. A lot of people can't afford a new car. So, well, how come only the people that could afford a new car were getting tax credit? So, um, I love the fact that New Jersey here also, zero emission vehicles don't pay sales tax. So, you know, let's say you found the $24,000 Model 3 out there, you take the $4,000 off for the federal and no sales tax, you're driving yourself home with a $20,000 Model 3. Super deal, you know, and uh, hopefully uh, prices will come down even more and we'll be able to get more, uh, you know, people into used EVs. I think this is this is great. Yeah, I'm all for this. This is what's needed. Um, And, uh, you know, why wasn't Tesla on the list originally? It was something that the automaker had to sign their cars up for, I believe. Right. Uh, And so like the i3 was on the list, Kona, I forget what else, but there's very few cars that you could actually get this for. Um, And there was always that one owner previous limit, which I guess has been lifted now. Okay. Hmm. I didn't, I wasn't aware of that one owner limit before, but yeah. Okay. That makes sense. But they do um, have to be purchased from a dealer. Right. I think so. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah and I think just, the- you know, Tom and I would just private party sell each other cars all the time. If it wasn't <laughs> without the dealer. Thing. Every month would sell it back and forth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, Brad, Brad Jackson just found us. Thanks. Thanks Hi, for Brad. joining Brad. Don't forget to subscribe. So you don't miss out the future shows. Ring that bell icon for notifications. Yeah, give us likes, guys. We <laughs> we, we we need to get this new podcast r- up and rolling. So Gary Gary's been tracking likes for us in in the I comments, know. and so we really, really appreciate that. Good to see you too, Gary. I think he missed us last week, um, but uh, yeah, 
it's great to see them here in the comments just now. Uh, speaking of Tesla, I just want to mention too, they had a big uh, change in their executive suites this week. So uh, they announced that, what's his name? Where is that article? Greg uh, Kirkhorn, Tesla's chief finance chief, Kirkhorn, unexpectedly steps down. So what, what's his first name? Brett? No. It's been a while. You're muted, Tom. Somehow he was at Tesla for like, 13 years, but he looks like he's like 25. He's 30, early 30s, I believe. Okay, yeah. Yeah, because when he first was given this job like a few years ago, people were talking about how young he was, and you know, he's okay. way too young to be. I, but he's I done a, I think he's done a fine job from what I can tell, you know. But I mean, we've over, seen him speak back, at the, right, the shows. Yeah, we've Sorry? seen him speak at the, the, the shows and stuff or whatever, whenever they do their, their stuff, and he's always on it. He seems like super cool. Yeah, he's, he does he does the financial calls with with the analysts too. He's on there, and while he's been the CFO, of the the company has you know, the value of the company has you know done very well, and yeah. So I mean, congratulate. I'm not sure why he's he's quitting, but he got uh, I think Elon Musk thanked him. So things seem to be cool. He's going to stick around for the for the rest of the year too, and, and kind of so the transition to the new guy who is the new guy has already been there for a while too. He's the. Uh, uh, Vibha Taneja will take over his duties. He served as Tesla's chief accounting officer since 2019, uh, as corporate controller from May 8, 2018, and as corporate controller before that between 2017 and May 18. And he came to them from a solar city. Um, right. So, anyway, I just wanted to mention that because that's just kind of news out there. Can't really read anything into it because people yeah. move around all the time and you get burned out from your job, you know, and so you, it doesn't mean anything bad's going on. He could just want to, uh, you know, move on to a different, uh, different job. I mean, Elon Musk, I've known people who have worked with him and uh, he's an intense person to work for for 13 years. <laughs> Way to go. That's, that's, you know, it's like hard time, but uh Okay, let's move on. Um, the first ever BMW i7 protection has launched. So this is... <laughs> this is what Tom needs to roll around with his mafia buddies up in Jersey. <laughs> and, you know... <laughs> well, I, I, I was... Let, vehicle for you. Last year when I was over in Germany with BMW, they showed me their uh, X5. That was uh, the bulletproof and like executive. Okay. It had like, you could go over bombs. It had like half inch plating underneath it and there were run flat solid tires and mm -hmm. the, you know, the window could take like five consecutive shots from a nine millimeter without, 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 um, you know, breaking and all this stuff. It was pretty cool. And we got to really get up close and sit in it and look at the, a video of them testing it with rolling over like a grenade and all this stuff. So I'd imagine it's getting done by the same group of people and more of these get sold a year than what you would think. Like I'm like, can you sell like, like five of these a year. And they're like, no, actually, you know, we sell quite a bit of them. And, uh, you know, we don't, they don't release numbers and they don't talk about who buys them, but they actually make quite a bit of these more than you would imagine. So good. That's pretty cool. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can see we're looking at like, it looks like a, a state sort of car. So it's got like the flags on the front fenders. Um, I th this is like a press photo. So it's not like an actual country, but um, yeah, I'm not sure what that is on the back. Oh, just like I guess a, like a safety, like a like a yeah, it's your police it's light, like a light, your yeah, police, police light, light, yeah, right. Yeah. So this thing's pretty cool. It's got it's a so the body structure is all from armor steel, 
has additional armory to the underbody and the roof and armored glass. Actually, it's even set up so you can it's protected from like a drone. You know, you send a drone over with a little bomb on it. It's supposed to protect you from. I'm not sure how big a bomb. I mean, eventually some bomb would probably take it out, but a small one, I guess it'll handle that. And the uh, the the glass of the end, it'll it'll handle like a bullets from a pretty decent, like a you know thirty thirty six or three oh eight. It'll it'll take those. That's nothing for this thing. You know what's crazy? So I'm I've been fascinated with these protection or security vehicles mercedes has their own line audi has theirs bmw has theirs and then there's actually a bunch of aftermarket companies here in the u.s right. uh that that do conversions and they've done model s i think model x although maybe not because i don't really know if you could fully seal that thing but you know there's there's some out there you know some teslas that have been done a lot of land cruisers you know for different markets a lot of you know tahos and escalades etc but the cool thing about when an automaker does this is especially when BMW goes in, um, they design the protection series or the bulletproof series in line with the original production of the vehicle. Right. So they already have, so like the standard body structure might have some little spaces and things that are not necessary, but are for this line of, of product. And they go so hardcore into making them look normal but you can always tell which one's armored or not you just look at that driver window you can see where the see-through bit of the glass starts and where you have this extended uh blacked out version there and so um yeah they're insane to be in everything weighs a ton uh and and the the crazy part is they still have to meet you know driving performance standards and things like that so i can't wait for bmw to release their engineering video on this car and watch it do its thing and you know they got to test it and try and blow it up so i'm sure they they love to release the videos on that so i can't cannot wait to see what they have to share on the uh on this i7 uh protection they claim it's pretty uh it handles really well but it's it's kind of pokey though it's like zero to 60 is nine seconds from it's it 544 horsepower <laughs> yeah no it must weigh a lot i didn't see the actual weight in there but they, they make a, the gas version of this actually is, is quicker it's like significantly quicker although it's got the same kind of numbers like really similar uh you know horsepower and torque numbers i mean maybe it's the transmission that helps it out i don't know but yeah weird because they also are coming out with the new m70 drivetrain which okay. is going to be the 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 spicy the top version of the seven so i'm surprised they didn't put the juicier motors in this I'm not sure I had to look at what those the outputs of those are, but this one is like 544 horsepower and 40, 549 pound feet of torque. Yeah. And so what's even cooler is occasionally, very rarely, if you know where to look and browse the right forums, these do pop up for sale used. And it's true. so cool. <laughs> I would love to have an armored i7 one day. That'd, that'd be kind of neat. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, we should we need to end a little earlier than usual today. So we're going to wrap up here pretty soon. But I did want to mention too that like for our European friends looking for an affordable-ish EV, uh, the MG4 EV has extended range has just launched. So they call it an extended range, but it's it doesn't have like a range extender. It doesn't have like a combustion motor in there somehow. They've just given it a bigger battery. It's got a 77 kilowatt hour battery. Uh, and it's, I believe it's the biggest battery they've put in an MG so far. And the, they said it'll give it 323 miles of WLTP range between charges. 
And there's what it looks like on the screen. If it looks like the MG, basically, in the pumpkin orange. Uh, yeah, and it's available from in England at least. It's going to be thirty six hundred and or thirty six thousand four hundred ninety five pounds. That's forty six thousand three hundred US dollars, which you know sounds to me like a lot of money for an MG, but that's what it is. And so I just want to mention that real quick. And also speaking of our European friends, the Ford Explorer, which is built on the MEB platform from Volkswagen, is going to be postponed for six months. So I don't know, the issue is apparently related to a new global safety regulations for the drivetrain, and Ford's decided to wait. To They wanted to launch the vehicle in accordance with, with these new regulations. And so to do that, it's going to take a bit more time. So, But it'll be available next summer now, they're saying. So about a six-month delay. And I don't know if, he, if it's Tom or Kyle, you want to jump into mentioning about that, those cars? No. Not really. I mean, okay. you, you, you summed it up. I'm, f- I'm fine with that. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm looking this- forward to the, 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 the Ford, you know, I mean, that looks like it's going to be a cool bit. It's small than it looks in pictures, but um, I, I think it'll do well over in Europe, but uh, hey, yeah. you know, I think, well, it's good, like the MEB platform, so similar to the ID Volkswagen ID4. So that'd be a kind of great comparison. I think it's even it's smaller than an ID4. Is it smaller? Well, it could I, be bigger. Well, like MEB goes all the way up to Buzz extended yeah. wheelbase. So. Yeah, it could be different sizes, but it just looks to me like I'm looking at it. It's, it looks like ID4-ish kind of, you know. Yeah. It's, it's more than ID3. It's bigger than ID3. <laughs> That's the interior. I don't like I've, I've seen the interior. Perfect, I think. No one likes it, but I love that car. Cupra, Cupra, uh, Cupra. Yeah, I don't know. I'm driving ID3 facelift in two weeks, so I'll have that for our trip. Oh, sweet. That's yeah. true. You going to you going to Europe for the IAA? Yeah, so I'll be there for three weeks, something like that. We've arranged, um, yeah, Taycan, of course, because you got to do the high speed stuff. We've done uh, ID3 facelift and EV6 GT. We've arranged as well. Mm-hmm. So some Nurburgring laps, and that should be kind of fun. Yeah, so you're gonna be you're gonna be in Europe for our official launch episode then. That's correct. Okay, that's good to know. Maybe Martin and I will get together. We'll do it together. Oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be so great. And we still haven't actually met Martin. I haven't met Martin in real life yet, and so I'm, <laughs> I'm really looking forward to when that can happen. I don't think any of us have. He's this no. mystical, you know, guy. Right. He might be AI. <laughs> he might be. Is he real? His voice is too perfect to be real. I know. That's true, right? <laughs> well, one of the things we talked about um, uh, doing when we created this new podcast is getting together. And uh, we don't have any date on that yet, but at some point we are, the four of us are going to be sitting in one place. We're going to invite people to come and do a live show. Um, you know, it's just tough with, with Martin over in the UK, uh, but we're going to do that. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, at some point this fall, um, you know, we could we could figure a way to get together and uh, all of us do a live show. Mark says Martin is chat GPT. Tom beat me to it. Yeah, but you don't know how close to the truth that is. Martin loves chat GPT. I was just about to say he's addicted to this and it makes sense now because he is that. Exactly. Yeah. I saw his, I saw his prompts, man. He's got that thing down to a science. Oh my god, it's amazing. But uh, we, yeah, we need to get some other work done real quick, so we have to let you all go for now. One, but we'll get- one thing I want to I want to oh. say before we take off. I know this isn't EV related, but it's car related. And I think our uh, the followers will enjoy it. So I, I just bought a, a house uh, 
close to where I live. I want to fix it up, move my parents into it. And it's an older house and the family lived there for a very long time. And they basically left me all their stuff because the the father died. I don't want to get into everything what happened, but I have a whole house of contents. I'm, I'm finding antiques and all this stuff. So I found the title to a 1932 Ford Model B pickup. Uh, and and then I found the corresponding hubcap to it. So 1932 Ford Model B pickup. I just think that's cool. Uh, automobile memorabilia and the original title to it. So uh, it cost a dollar fifty to uh, register uh, uh, a car back back in the 30s. So I, I just thought that was pretty cool. I thought you guys might get a kick out of it. How much was it? Dollar fifty for the registration. Woo! Big time. Yeah. So. All right. So, uh, yeah, so we got to skedaddle, but so I guess that brings us to the end of our show. We'll be back again next week. Tom, I think you're going to be joining us from the Mediterranean. We'll see. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm, I'm going to try to join. And that's okay. why we're, we're calling these first four shows, everyone, like our negative shows. The first real show is going to be uh, September 1st because Martin will be back. I may not be here the next two weeks. So these are just kind of warm ups and to build up, get, get some subscribers and everything. So, uh, um, you know, tune in, but uh, we're, we're not going to be full force until uh, no, uh, September 1st. All right. Yeah, so, and subscribe. That's the big thing that we need yeah, right now. Please. I, yeah, we I need never subs. ask for it. I, I never ask for it, but uh, truly for a brand new channel, it's it's the only way we can actually make this work as a business uh, right now. So we do need your subscribers. Subscribers. Yeah. So many people don't know we're here yet. They still think that we're where we used to be. And uh, we need to make sure I'm getting emails. Oh, did you guys stop the podcast? Why are there new people? And we're trying to get it out on all our social channels, but it's, it's, you know, a lot of people don't follow all that stuff. So please make sure you subscribe. And uh, if you got friends, let them know where we are. All right. So I think that brings us to the end of our show. If you have uh, any questions or comments, please leave us a comment on YouTube or get in touch with us on Twitter or Threads, where we are Batteries Inc. Pod on Twitter. And I think we're Batteries Included Podcast on Threads. If you like the show, please give us a thumbs up, uh, click subscribe, and tap that bell icon for notifications. Thank you all very much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you all again next week. Ciao. Ciao.